And now it's time for Guaranteeing Your Retirement with your host, David Graham from Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. Here's your host, David Graham. Good morning. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Guaranteeing Your Retirement on this rather hot, hot, hot uh, Sunday here in the Tampa Bay area. Show is brought to you by Graham Capital Advisors. We're the people that you come to when you're serious about retirement, when you're getting ready for retirement, and you simply want to take the stress out of it. Good gosh. People spend more time planning a vacation in the summer than they do the last 20, 30 years of their life. That's retirement planning. No one wants to think about it. So let us help you. We have offices in Tampa, Sarasota, Washington, D.C. on K Street. We can show you how easy it is. We've been doing this well over, my personally, well over 40 years. We have well over 100 years of combined planning experience. We're good at what we do. We're the number one retirement planning company on the west coast of florida i'm very very proud of that we work very hard to get there evolving into a national company and let us help you get the stress out of it it's a three-legged stool legal planning investing you have to have all three if you miss one you're going to have a problem you have to have all three call it a holy trinity call it a trifecta legal planning and investing we do it all in our office one-stop retirement planning let us help you. Go to our website, schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. That's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And with that, hey, let me get you a shout out here. You know, I'm having my pool done, and Doug Greenham is doing it for me. And I'm telling you, if you need a pool done anywhere between Sarasota and St. Petersburg, you call me, okay? Go to our website, and I will refer you to Doug. He's doing an incredible job. I got an old laptop, laptop is an old lap pool. He's doing a great job of remodeling it for me. And, and I'm telling you, it's going to be something you're going to see pictures of. So you need a pool getting done, give me a ring. It's Doug Greenham. Okay. And I'll get you his number. I don't know if you saw this in the paper, a Louisiana couple, they, they were kind of surprised by a five foot alligator in their house. The dog started barking at 1:30 in the morning. And it caused the guy to get up and grab his gun and go out and check the disturbance. He almost stepped on the gator in, in, the, in the living room, which he assumes came through the front door. So let me ask you something. You keep your door locked at night. You have a pond in the back. And you better be careful. You know, one thing that they're not controlling in Florida, they have an annual gator hunt. This is just my opinion. But I'm telling you, Florida now is the leading state in the United States for people moving in. Thousands of people move in literally every day of the week. We're becoming a truly urbanized state. And we have alligators, more alligators now than there's ever been. Because you can't really hunt the thing. As years ago, they almost almost disappeared for crying out loud 50 years ago. So it's really time that our, our authorities here in this state start thinking about alligators 
you know, you're going to hear more and more people getting killed by them now because they're, they're, they're terrible creatures when it comes to eating people. Good gosh. More people get bit by alligators than they do by sharks. So I think Florida needs to get their act together. So that's just my opinion on that. Uh, here's fun fact of the week. The brain is the most energy-consuming organ. It uses up to 20% of the body's total energy. And here's a trivia question. On the board with me today, I have the infamous James Berlander, a producer. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. All right, let me throw this at you. All right. Trivia, trivia question here, playing Jeopardy. What's the weight of the average brain? I believe, because there was a movie uh, about this, um, actually, with Will Smith, I believe it was seven or eight pounds. Oh, my God. If you had seven or eight pound brain, you'd be an alien. This, actually, you know what? There's probably some humongous person that has it, but it's usually three to four pounds. Oh. That's, the, that's the average weight for what, for what it's worth. <laughs> I was way off there. <laughs> Well, well, you're, maybe you're talking about a gorilla. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> but, but, but anyway, a gorilla is probably the size of a walnut. But, but anyway, okay. Quote of the week: Don't look for the needle in the haystack. Just buy the haystack. Okay. We always have to have our federal crime of the week, and trust me, people are always putting themselves in a sticky situation under breaking federal laws. So I, we, we want to make you privy to what laws are out there. Ready for this drum roll? It's a federal crime for a pipe tobacco importer to import pipe tobacco unless the pipe tobacco says pipe tobacco on it. Okay. Okay, James, when's the last time you saw somebody smoke a pipe? You know, it's got to be got to be 10 years. Yeah, got to be at least 10 years, even more than that. I know back in the day, I mean, my gosh, 50, 60 years ago, you still had people walking around pipes in their mouth. Right. You don't have that anymore. That's for sure. Let's discuss the pros and the cons. The different options you have if you're a retiree, you know, for when you actually retire. Okay, let's look at some of them. You know, staying in the same home. What are the benefits of staying in the same home? Look at the pros. Well, you're familiar with where you're living. You're comfortable. That's why you live there. It's where the kids, the grandkids have built memories. Maybe your home might be possibly even paid off as you get to re-retirement. Okay, what's the cons? Well, it's not always the ideal design for aging, getting older. It's getting harder to walk up those stairs if you got them. What about the cost and the physical effort of, of home upkeep? It could be burdensome. You know, you possibly more house than you actually need. Okay, look at the downsize, downsizing. You got one of the pros. Well, the opportunity to find a home that's built for aging, it's in place. Remember, retirement, you're getting aging, okay? <laughs> that goes hand to hand with glove. You have smaller spaces, generally mean less upkeep, more simplicity, less clutter. You know, you're finally going to have to get rid of possessions you've had for a long time, and uh, I'm guilty of that myself. I remember when I was very young and I didn't have very much and I would reuse everything. I used to have a Maxwell House can of different screws and nuts and washers and then it got to be a bigger can and a bigger can. And then finally, one day the, the wife goes in and cleans the house for me and workshop and she just throws out my cans. And I was traumatized that my big can of nuts and bolts, washers, 
it disappeared because, but that's the generation that we're from now. Now we're, we have a disposable generation, but you want to get rid of things. Okay. What about possibly free up cash from the sale of a previous house, especially if the, the new home is cheaper? Those are some of the pros. What about the cons? Downsizing and size doesn't always mean downsizing and cost. The stress of moving, less space to host the family. Then you talk about the continuing care, retirement communities. We're surrounded by them. You know, they got them from the villages all the way down to Naples, for crying out loud. So if you go into a controlled community, what are the pros? Well, you got a variety of social activities and events with people your own age. You know, homes with age-friendly design, less maintenance. You have peace of mind of having long-term care covered. What are the cons? You know, often you have a substantial monthly fee. You have large upfront deposits possibly. And sometimes there's actually a long waiting list to get in. Then you have the lack of privacy, you know, it's outside the walls of your home. You know, it's not really your home anymore. You know, you're kind of like running. There's so many things you need to consider. You know, let's talk about some of the areas of your financial life where a disaster might be right around the corner. You ever think of that one? Yeah. What about out-of-date legal documents? You always hear me say this. You need legal planning, investing. You got to make sure you have your ducks in order. Now, maybe you haven't gotten your legal documents in place at all. Maybe maybe you need, you got it a long time ago, and it needs updating. You might be from another state, and you need to update your, your documents to include your current residence. If you live in Florida, that's great. Make sure you got it in, in a trust of some sort. You know, if you have a will, remember a will is probated. It's going to take you about 18 months to go through a will. That's why we, we always recommend a trust to someone. But... The bottom line is, in the state of Florida, you have to have a good power of attorney that's state-specific. That means get one for the state of Florida. Don't think you can use one from New York or Ohio or Michigan. Get current legal documents. You know, too many people are walking around with no documents or, or documents that are in desperate need of an update. Don't let that be you. Do something about it. You know, what about, here's one here, incorrect beneficiary designations. You have legal documents. But, you know, it's very, very easy to update your beneficiary designations. You know, this could apply to IRAs, life insurance, or any other account, any other kind of policy that has a designated beneficiary. And, you know, divorces, second marriages, that might be a reason to change or maybe the birth of a new child. You know, you, you got to take the initiative. you got to take the initiative. Always remember that beneficiaries' designations, they will override your will. So be sure they're on your up to date and accurate. You know, if you have a checking account, make sure you have a beneficiary. You have a savings account, make sure you have a beneficiary. Yeah. What about a tax time bomb? You know, if the overwhelming majority of your investments are in tax deferred accounts, IRAs, annuities, what have you, you could be building up a, a time bomb for yourself. If you're going to pay income taxes on every penny of your retirement cash flow, that's going to leave you with one heck of a tax bill. So make sure you know where you stand. Make sure you know what accounts you have coming in. Remember, Uncle Sam is just sitting there waiting, and waiting a long time for anything that's been growing tax deferred. And he's going to take a chunk of it when you do retire. And one, one more thing that we need to discuss is make sure you have a plan for long-term care. 
too many people ignore long-term care uh, as a piece of the retirement puzzle. Some people are just too busy. They adopt, oh, we'll figure it out later approach. Others just don't want to even talk about the subject. And, and the procrastination is going to kill you, I'm telling you. You need a plan. And that plan doesn't have to be buying long-term care insurance. You know, that's probably, you know, there has to be a better way. And I'll tell you how you do it. You go to an attorney. You go to an elder law attorney that understands estate planning. And let them reposition your assets with an advisor to make sure your spend down is minimal at best. You don't have to give everything you have to Uncle Sam before you can get Medicaid, Title 19, you know, nursing home care. You can do that, but you have to get professional care. You don't need a long-term care policy. It was there at the beginning of when they first came out, and I'm telling you, they can't control health care costs. So if you do have one, every two years, you're going to get a rate increase. If you don't get a rate increase, they're going to ask you to lower the, the amount of insurance because they can't control health care costs. Save yourself a ton of money, time, and sweat and effort. Simply go to a good attorney, and we can help you with that. You want to plan for retirement properly, one-stop retirement planning, come and see us. Our website address is grahamcapitaladvisors.com. That's grahamcapitaladvisors.com. James, we've got a few email, email questions there. We do. Uh, let's uh, start with the first one here. Nora in Sun City Center writes in, My husband died recently, and I was, of course, the beneficiary of his large IRA. Someone told me that I have to withdraw the entire account balance and pay all of the taxes within just a few years. Now, is that correct? Yeah, the new law is you have 10 years. 10 years when you inherit an IRA, a 401k, 403b, 457, defined benefit plan, pension and profit sharing plan. But it's, it's 10 years. So you need to make sure that you take it out accordingly and, if necessary, reinvest it. But that's that's the new rule now. Good question. What else you got there? Next up, Billy in Tampa wrote in, Thanks to the big raise that I got this year at work, lucky him, I'm apparently going to be unable to put money in my Roth IRA this year. What are my options for creating tax advantage savings for the future? Well, there's a lot of different things. I mean, obviously, if you have if you've maxed out your IRA, you, you could you could always continue using different instruments. Um, if you want to keep liquidity, you can you know, under obviously open up an asset management account. That's one way of doing it. So you have the freedom of of investing the way you would want to invest. Then there's fixed instruments. You can go to an equity indexed annuity that's going to be guaranteed and just forget to have it and, and hope for the best. So there's different instruments that you can use. But the main thing is you got to take your whole picture into consideration where you're at, your income, your lifestyle. Then you can plan accordingly. If you need help with that, just come and see us. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. We got one more, James? Yep, one more. comes from Barb in Sarasota. Really short question here. I know there are conflicting opinions out there about buying gold, but what about silver? <laughs> well, back in the day, there was always a ratio of silver to gold, silver to gold. But times have changed completely. And it's terribly out of whack right now with gold being way ahead proportionally of what silver, the worth of silver. Um, we don't ever recommend buying the actual instrument itself you don't want to buy gold nuggets or bold gold bars because then you have to insure it you have to put it somewhere and the, the upkeep itself isn't really worth it they have instruments today that you can purchase where you can actually buy physical gold but but 
you do it through a good advisor that can show you how it's done and it's done through securities, but there are so many new ways of doing it. Silver itself. Um, I would not necessarily invest in silver. It's it, when you think of silver, it's not so much jewelry, but it's an, it's an industrial use. You have silver, silver in, in the, the phone you're listening to now, or the computer you're listening to. So it's used everywhere, but there is a proportionate amount of, of gold to silver now that, you know, unless you're very, very speculative, I would not necessarily invest in silver. If you're going to invest in any kind of commodities, you could always keep that as part of your portfolio, a very small part. But it's not what I would consider a, a long-term investment personally. That's it. But gold is a different story. Gold, without a doubt, I would recommend. Very good question. If you need help putting your monies together, come to see us. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Coming up next, we have Stash Graham, our Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Good morning, Stash. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, look, it's hot down here in Florida. It's 115 degrees in Phoenix, 10 consecutive days. My gosh. So is the market hot? What's going on now with stocks this summer? <laughs> markets uh, markets are, are very hot. And I think, you know, you could look at a, a wide range of events or developments that have certainly given a lot of people uh, confidence in the underlying stock market, at least in, in the short term. But uh, I think you saw an end-of-week push when you saw some of the systematically important banks, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, all report very strong earnings which at least gives people a sense of calm that the banking sector is not in as much trouble as, say, what we were worrying about 90 days ago. Now, right. to the listener, I would want to emphasize these systematically important banks are really different. They're in a different class from the 99% of other banks. These, in, in, in our world, these banks are called money centers. People just put money with them because they're the biggest. They don't really care uh, about you know, the investment return. They're there for safety. And again, if we think back three, four months ago, where did everyone put their money when they were taking it out of their regional banks? Where were they going? They were going to J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. All those banks saw tens of, tr or tens of billions of dollars go to their bank in a span of four days. Uh, so these banks were going to be fine. They had too many deposits. Uh, but now the real test for the banking industry comes over the next three weeks when you get your regional banks, whether you're super regional or, say, like a fifth third um, uh, or you know some of your community banks, even smaller banks from that. That's going to be where the real tall tale sign of the banking sector is. And what we know is over the last couple of months – banks have continued to pull back on available credit to borrowers. So right. we know banks are still playing defense. And I, I would just want to emphasize to the listener that what we saw on Friday is, again, really not indicative of the banking industry. Banks like JP Morgan Chase are not robust lenders. 
of, of capital, especially compared to their size. They're just not. Uh, that's not the world that they operate in. They focus on money management. Right. They have a whole different host of businesses that try to generate revenues uh, uh, or fees that make up a material portion of the revenues. They're not a traditional sense of a bank, which is they take a deposit and they take that dollar deposit and then they go lend it out or they go buy U.S. Treasury and try to make a difference on the spread. These right. money center banks like J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo and Bank of America are not like that. Right. Well, let me ask you something. J.P. Morgan, I noticed that they had record revenue on the rates, record revenue. And then consumer, U.S. consumer sentiment, it's the highest now in nearly two years. So when you see that happening, and when, when you see mom and pop, the retail market is exploding like that. What does that say about having possibly a, a recession? Do you think there'll be a mild one or there won't be one now? What's your take? Has it changed at all? Recently? No, I, you know, again, this this is the the pros and cons of consumer sentiment surveys, uh, and you saw this during the really the last crisis. And I'm not going to talk about COVID because that came out of, the middle of nowhere, and I wouldn't even really call that a recession. Um, the great financial crisis, people were optimistic into the uh, re- after the recession started. You saw consumer sentiment surveys into 2008, the beginning months of 2008. And you know, people were were bold up. Real estate prices were still going higher, um, and and so I I would just forewarn that just because sentiment surveys are strong right now doesn't mean they can't reverse a little bit later. Now, obviously, we know inflation has come down. I would say that has been your biggest metric as to why people are more confident as you've seen a material decline in inflation the last three or four months. And we've talked about that on, on a couple of occasions. And so now you have a consumer who is more optimistic about buying conditions. But the problem is they're not buying. It's one thing to feel it. They're not buying that extra car. They're not buying that extra home or large household durable. Uh, they did that three years ago when there was stimulus money coming out left and right, monetary policy, debt was cheap, it was zero bound, and people could buy money and pay later. Uh, or, excuse me, uh, you know, buy, buy a large household item and pay it later at 0% APR. We're not in that environment. And so I think it's certainly realistic at a time, like we were just saying, banks are pulling back on available credit. And if you're going to get that credit, you have to pay more for it. Uh, that consumption over the next six to 12 months is going to continue to head lower. And again, that's the dangers of looking at sentiment surveys. Someone's sentiment doesn't necessarily guarantee that an action in the near-term future is going is, is to come or match at least that, that sentiment, good or sure. bad. Well, you know, right now, you know, financial tightening always hurts companies' profits. And but I guess the issue is now uh, there are still fears out there of having higher interest rates. So do you think that's a, a threat to the, the markets in the going future? Oh, it, it's a threat. It, it's just it's a, it's a threat that has lower odds of happening, especially after the various inflation reports that we got on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, so we got weaker than average CPI reports, consumer price inflation reports that missed expectations um, to the low side. People, people were shocked about how much inflation fell. And then subsequently on Thursday, we saw PPI 
which is producer price uh, index, in that respective metric leads CPI. So producer price inflation, it's been a couple of years since we've talked about PPI, but producer price inflation is the raw material expenses or various other expenses to make the product ultimately to sell to you. And that product they sell to you, that price is CPI. Uh, that's what the consumer pays. Producer price index is what the producer pays to make that respective product. And you saw on, uh, on Thursday, last Thursday, that producer prices came in much lower than expected for the month of June. And again, that only gives further support for the Federal Reserve to do one rate hike in the next couple of weeks and then really be done. I think the, the indication, whether it's a combination of the consumers plus the producers, tells the Federal Reserve that inflation is heading lower this year. Uh, and really, the vast majority of leading inflation indicators indicates that inflation is going to continue to come down independent of what the Federal Reserve right. does right now with interest rates. Well, it's it's come down incredibly. A year ago, it was what nine percent. Now it's what three and a half, four percent. I mean, it's really come down substantially. Obviously, going into an election year, uh, that's going to be used. But then, then I just noticed that the Bank of America now, their money managers, they're actually telling people to short stocks after the summer. <laughs> so why would they do that? Uh, you know, any banks investment sell side investment team could say to do whatever um look i think when you're allocating capital right now you have to step back and it, and it could be very tough to step back when you consider all the various economic metrics and headlines that could come about and it's one of those you know staring at a tree but you're you're forgetting about the forest in the back you know it's really that type of of adage when when you step back you look at the forest and you say, okay, we're here at point A. Let's take six months from now. That's point B. Where are we going to be at point B? And depending on what you think where we're going to be in point B, that is where you're going to should expect financial asset prices to move in between then. So if you think our move from point A to point B is going to show higher unemployment, lower earnings and profit margins, uh, a economy that is slowing in growth, if not recessing, global that's for the U.S., global mm -hmm. growth that is either going to recess or have minimal growth, especially growth that, uh, economic growth that's below inflation rates. Keep in mind, there's always a relationship between inflation and, and economic growth levels. So while inflation is coming down and coming down at rates that I think are surprising people, uh, it's still going to be higher than economic growth levels, and that is your textbook definition of stagflation. So when you line up all those different variables and we get to point B, do you want to be long assets right now? And again, that is a question for each individual person and what their goals are, what the risk tolerance is. And then I would throw on top of this, and it's the biggest question of an asset manager right now, is about relative value. So all those different variables I lined, where we were just talking about, we're at point B. Is it better for me to go invest in an investment-grade corporate bond that's paying 6% for 12 months? Again, 
weighing all these different risks going from point A to point B, or do I want to invest in the stock market? Do I want to invest in a U.S. government agency bond paying me 5.6% versus investing in the market? So there's always a relative thought process when in terms of capital, whether do I want to invest in the stock market or not? Yes or no. And if I do, then what are some of the other options for that capital? And I think right now, the risk reward or the value is skewed towards some of those more conservative assets because you're getting a yield that is, I think, when you compare the earnings yield of the S&P 500 over the next 12 months, you're getting an earnings yield that's very similar, if not higher for some of these, like, say, 6% corporate bond investments uh, or 6% um, uh, uh, yield to maturity for these corporate bond investments, say, that are 12 to 15 months. Right. Um, but more importantly, the risk is lower. And so the relative value question, I think, is very, very skewed to some of these more conservative investment positions. All right. Well, again, when you look at the banks, okay, um, you know, you, you may not be making money off of your deposit accounts, but the big banks are. My gosh. I mean, you look at Wells Fargo, you look at Morgan Stanley, um, and you look at what they're doing, um, Citigroup, and, you know, they're firing on all cylinders. There's no two ways about it. So I guess the issue is with the banks now being healthy as they are, um, with uh, other than they're always in you know internal problems like with what Goldman Sachs has right now. Um, where do you see Joe the Plumber and Joe Sixpack when they see the banks doing what they're doing? Where should Joe the Plumber invest his monies now for safety, security? Where we're going into the fall, that you know the old cliche of "Go away, man, come back in October." Well, every year is different, and right now it's it's, it's other than being. How does Hades outside? The market's just a very, very stable. So we haven't seen the, the drop you normally see in the summertime. So what does that say for the fall, for the third and fourth quarter? Again, it dep- like we just talked about, it depends where you believe. So, you know, right now we're talking middle of July. Where do you think the economy is going to be in January of 2024? Let's take it out six months. And do you think the economy is going to be in a better shape? Do you think corporate earnings are going to be better? They all, they all play off of each other, those variables. And if you believe that we are going to be in a worse situation, then investing in some of those investments we just talked about, say an investment-grade corporate bond for six months or a high-grade corporate bond where you can make about 5.8% very readily right now, uh, those probably are better investments. Uh, if you believe the economy is going to continue to grow it's going to continue to uh, uh, be hot. That earnings power for companies are going to be able to maintain and or expand over the next six seven months. Then you probably want to be long the stock market. Uh, but you know, we just talked about four or five different variables that I think are very conclusive. Going and maybe that was a tailwind the last part of this cycle, but now that are. I think, again, I don't think you can argue our headwinds. When you have banks that are reluctant to lend, and if they do lend, it's going to cost you more money, that's not a tailwind. That's a headwind. Now, the question is, how strong is your inertia to be able to get through that headwind? And maybe a year ago or six months ago, 
you the inertia was strong. You were able to get through it. But now you look at some of the commentary from some of the leading sector businesses. Uh, chemicals, for example, David, is a tried and true leading sector on global growth or the global economy. And Fastenal, which is one of the largest chemical companies uh, in the world, provided commentary. The senior management team provided commentary uh, just uh, on on Thursday of last week. And and I'll I'll quote because I'm looking at it right now. He says, the CEO of Fastenal says, we have to keep all of our heads screwed on the right way because it's been an interesting number of years between tariffs and COVID and congested supply chains and inflation and all this stuff, there's noise, 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 noise. We're going to experience something we haven't experienced for a number of years, and that's a slowing economy. Prepare for what that means and get muscle memory back, end quote. So that is from one of the largest companies in the world and the, the tried-and-true leading economic sector for the world. Now, you might be asking, why are chemicals a leading economic sector or a leading sector for the rest of the world? Because if you're building a product, you need chemicals to do that. That is your first entry point that you pair with raw materials to make a respective product. So that's why chemical companies always have a lead is because you need their product to just start making your respective products ultimately later to sell, to make profit from, and that's how the cycle builds. So chemicals are a very early entrant in the production of a good, and that's why they have good line of sight on, hey, is business going to improve six to 12 months from now? Because in six to 12 months, if business in the economy is going to be better, then they're going to be seeing orders right now. And they're not. They're seeing it go the other way. And that's why, again, following chemicals companies has been a, a, um, has been a, a very good indicator throughout history. No two ways about it. Look, stock markets, they always tend to rally during the Fed pauses. And even with, even with the potential threat of our U.S. recession, there's always money to be made in the meantime. And, and Stasha, I appreciate you coming on and, and helping us help our, our clients and, and uh, st- stay, stay a little cooler in Washington, will you please? We'll try. Okay. Have a good weekend. You take care. You too. Take care. <clears throat> You're just listening to Stash Graham. He's our chief investment officer, managing director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. And let me just say something. If you lost money last year, well, most people did. Only 11% of advisors across the United States were, were in the black. And I'm very proud of the fact that Graham Capital Wealth Manage wasn't the black last year. So we're doing something right. Then what, what, that, what is that? Don't lose money. First rule of investing, don't lose money. Second rule of investing, don't forget the first rule. You lose it, you got to remake it. That takes time. And what are we running out of as we get older? Time. Let us help you. We have offices in Tampa, Sarasota, Washington, D.C. Come and see us. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. Really want to be lucky in life? Go help someone. And God's going to smile on you. You're going to get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency. In God we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. 
Stay safe out there. Stay cool. Make sure you don't take a dog for a ride in the car. Let them stay home. It's too hot out there. We'll see you next week. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC. Graham Capital Advisors, LLC is an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute Institute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult with a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.